You're listening to the Smoking Joe Thunder Podcast. Hey, what's going on? It's your boy Joe Thunder back once again with another episode of the Smoking Joe Thunder Podcast. And it's a lovely day today. It's hot as fuck, and I'm already <laughs> high as a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And I woke up. I didn't get to bed till 4 in the morning, but it was worth it. You know what I'm saying? But real quick, shout out to our official sponsor, Be Good Dispensers, over there on 11 West Hamden and across the street from Boondocks up there on 120th, somewhere up there. I don't know, but you can Google it. But where we're at right here, 11 West Hamden, we got another episode of the Smoking Joe Thunder podcast, and we got a special episode for you today, man. We got a man, a cat that was at the beginning of when hip-hop really started taking off and when shit was, like, going down. And what's really crazy is they didn't even know who they were. They thought they were from New York, and they're actually from New Jersey. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then when they found out, they didn't know what to think, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We got El Sensei from the legendary hip hop group. You know what I'm saying? Artifacts. Artifacts is here, y'all. We got Rick 73. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a little high. You know, it's all yeah, good. Yeah, you good. You but good. man, but, but what's going on, y'all? Man, yeah, everything is good. I'm here today. You um, made it in, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I have a show tonight at the Bar Red. Bar Red. Uh, whenever you hear this, it might have happened already. Or right, right. you might be seeing, you know, <laughs> might be at the show. You but yeah, know. Bar Red, Bar Red tonight, um, I'm doing a little performance, and um, yeah, today, um, me and my man Rick shot a video Hell for yeah. a song that we got that we just released called The Alley, Good. and uh, yeah, we just shot, shot some visuals for that today, so, you know, just getting, this is the beginning of the stages of what we what we're doing, but this is the start, so there's a lot, lot more things to come. A lot more coming. Hey, how'd you yeah. hook up with Rick's? I mean, like like a lot of things now online on the internet, you know. But through mm-hmm. mutual music, and and you know what I heard, I was like, okay, yeah, let's go. Because like a lot of people uh-huh. bypass a lot of producers if they don't know who they are, and sometimes they might be bypassing something golden, you know. Exactly. And, and I always feel like you know my motto is you know especially if it's hot enough and, it, and you feel a vibe from it, you know I call it everybody deserve a chance to drive the car. You know, we all, we all know somebody that got a dope-ass whip. You be in a car with them all the time, right. and they know that. And sometimes if they feel they can trust you, mm-hmm. they let you drive that car. Right. But when so you crash, it is a wrap. Yeah, now, nah, but see, that's the thing. <laughs> when you get the opportunity to drive, Don't fuck up. many of them know how to drive. So that means you drive for a minute. You get to, you know, be behind the wheel all the time. So that's and how I look at a lot of things in, in, in music where a lot of opportunities I didn't have, you know, where now it's so easy now. You can work with somebody with a dope beat and don't even have to be there with Isn't them. Isn't it crazy? Because you're literally, like, no internet, no cell phones. Right. We just on the block it, yeah. making music, like an actual studio mm-hmm. with tracks, right. not a fucking computer, not even, like, none of that shit. So yeah. you've seen so it. that one, was impossible to do. Yeah, you've mm-hmm. seen it go from, like, you know, I don't want to say at the very beginning, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, really guess. doing some shit to, like, now where, like you said, anyone, I could go make a rap song right after this shit. Mm-hmm. shit. When y'all leave, I can get a beat from Ricks. He can right. email it to me in a minute, mm-hmm. and I can, I can have a verse. That's, that's, the, yeah, that's the technology part of it that makes it easy, you right. know? Where it might have been having to mail a CD or play something over the phone. Right, back and in then, the day, they were even talking. That's why you didn't see many features, because they weren't sending out those reels and then, you know, overnight and then getting them back. They were doing Unless all that Unless you was in the room with them, yeah. yeah exactly. We weren't getting direct, direct contact with artists back then, either. Right, right, right. 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 None. You were going through a label or going through a magazine Man, company. Yeah. At the time, they weren't. Publicists. Yeah, yeah. You know what's, what's crazy is I heard a story on a podcast the other day, and um, they were like, they 
got the names off the Cold Chill album mm. and looked it up in the New York phone book. And call, I don't remember who it was, but you know what I'm saying? They basically got the names off the album yeah. and they looked up in the phone book and they called them up. I'm like, you rap. Like, I'm no, no different than Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator. Uh, That's how he found Sarah Connor. <laughs> went in the phone book, looked down, all the, went through all the damn lists of Sarah Connor's killed everybody until uh -huh. got there. But. But you never that was think how you of that did it back shit, then. Though. You never think of getting an album or a 12 inch and looking the name and looking in the front. No, nah, but yeah. you you had to. I mean, I I think that's an old tactic when you talk about uh, labels and artists, whether if it be musicians back in the day that would work with certain artists that they would be able to sit for and play and record in the studio, you know, and more or less be a featured guest artist and and knowing that. This artist trusts their sound, so right. a lot of people, uh, even for diggers, you know, and, and you know, where they look at the back of the records, they look at the artist names and things like that. But when you talk about going to labels to drop off demo tapes and things of this nature, yeah, that is mostly why they were looking on back of the records because you see who's in charge of everything. Exactly, when you look, when you makes, look back there, makes so, like a lot of sense. Yeah, this was a, this was like every artist, you know, since for a while. So like it was no different with. Hip hop. Once you started having like an office for Def Jam or office for Profile Records, and you know whether they were small or big, it was somewhere to go to to drop off your music. Exactly. Other than the radio station. Hey, for those people that don't know you, man, give them a little history about you and about your group and how you guys kind of started. All right. Um, my name is Elder Sensei. I'm from the group Artifacts, straight from New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey. The as a matter of fact, Brick City. Um, Chocolate City too. Yeah. Is that well, what Redman you, says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All you right, say that right, too. Uh, but mostly the brick city. Brick city. Uh, Why know, do they call it the brick many, city? Many concrete buildings gotcha. and, and around one, a lot of uh, section of the, of the city, but mostly just, it became like a, a, a mantra, like as far as like, at one point it was a lot of projects, right. you know, now they're gone, you know, but we still use that as a <coughs> moniker for, for our city. So, you know, I come from where Red Man come from, Naughty by Nature and Lords of the Underground. Uh, Queen Latifah, one of my favorite groups too. Yep, still yeah. um, do it all, Monkey Man, and my boys, Lord Jazz. You know, um, Jersey is, is a is a thing of itself because it's unlike New York. We all don't sound the same, uh, as far as like our slang and, and right. accents. But when we came out, a lot of people thought we were from New York. <laughs> yeah, everyone thought you were yeah, from yeah, New yeah. York, right? And that was the funny thing because. We we would never go to New York doing shows saying, you know, we're going back to Jersey or we come out on stage like, yo, we straight from New Jersey, we like, boom. Right. So that's New York to us. So that's what we got in the beginning. You know, fortunately for dudes like like Kim Shabazz, Apache, you know, Lati, these dudes came out early in the industry with 45 King and was able to put Jersey on the map in a way where it was a like a president we had to set. You know, Chill Rob G. You know, a lot of these dudes was early for us to learn from. I need so, you to school me real quick. Is 45 King from New Jersey as well? Oh, yeah. I did not Martha know that. Martha 45 King is straight from New Jersey. Mm -hmm. East Orange. And if y'all know nope. what that is, that's the Ed Lover dance. Yep. 900 number you yep. ever seen on MTV? Yeah. Stan uh, from Eminem. Yeah. 45 King did that. Hard Not Life, Jay-Z, he did that. Yeah. That's 45 King. And he's a uh, mentor to a lot of producers. Diamond D, to name a few. Um, yeah. Jersey is full of, full of a lot of you know, New Jersey stars, hip-hop-wise, but, you know, we all are original in our own way, and we all don't sound the same, and I like that. You know, it separates all of us. You know, you think of Redman, 
you might think of artifacts, but you also think of Lords of the Underground because of their relate. We all have a relationship with each other, that and because our area is so like pocketed, you know, you could be in East Orange, New Jersey, where I'm from, and then you'd be right in Newark, and you won't even realize it. It's like across the tracks, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Oh yeah, and how did you guys kind of start your group? Uh, me and Tame had mutual friends. Uh, he knew people I knew. Uh, my man Jay Byrne, who's on the Attack of New Jerusalem song on the first album. He um. I went to school with him, and he used to paint with Tame. So my man Polo Ice, he uh, knew Tame uh, from being in the same neighborhood, but we never crossed paths. So like maybe when uh, I I got down with a crew that he was with, like graffiti crew, right? No, nah, uh, like a rap crew. It was called the uh, Boss Mob Crew. Uh, Rhino CMZ was the producer. Me, Tame, R Rasta Ra, uh, uh, my man Max One Sixty Five. Uh, we all would go there and make demos. It was like a juice crew type thing. Um, I used to go over there, and I knew Tame used to be with them, but I didn't know he rapped. So when I went in the room and I saw his name all on, on the walls, I said, so, you know, he rapped too. He's like, yeah, so he played me some shit. I was like, damn. I said, he rapped like how he do graffiti, do super nice. So one day we got there, and he was there, and I got there. And uh, we met and instantly that day. We did a song, and then the rest was history. This was like 88. Um, we didn't get into anything professionally until like 93. Uh, we did a song called uh, Do You Want to Hear It with the Nubian Crackers, straight from Queens. They put us on like a breakbeat record. And um, yeah, that was dope, you know, to be our first record. It was like an introduction to the world of who we were uh, until we got the deal on on Big Beat Atlantic. And that's when we put, in, we put out uh, Between the Rock and the Hard Place which you all guys know, and wrong side of the tracks, and come on with the get down, and right. still here, I'm still here. So real quick, were you a, were you a, as into graffiti as um as your your partner was? I was into it, but not like physically out there on walls Getting far as much because my father was not trying to hear. He was not trying to have it. Right? I, I remember I went, went to New York and um we went to the Bronx Zoo. Now I'm being like 12, I hear about all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, what is, uh, you know, I'm going to New York. I'm going to see everything. Uh, we get in there, and I see the train, and I didn't even want to get on the train. And my father like, get on the train, yo. So we got on, and we get inside the train. I think we was on the two train. I'm like, what the, what, what? I'm like, oh, shit, everywhere. It was just yeah, a whole new yeah, world, Yeah, then right? we got outside the train, and the train is going. I'm just standing there on the platform watching the train go by, like, oh, shit, oh, shit. So we get outside, but then I was like, damn, the Bronx looked like a war zone back then. Like, this is really like the 80s, man, when, you know, early 81, 82, it was, it was ridiculous. So I saw everything outside, all the trains going by with the pieces on them. I said, okay, I want to do this. I right. do this. My father looking at me like, like the boy, you know, then, but then we go right. home, we go home, see the same thing all over again, but get home, mm -hmm. and Star Wars comes on TV. So I'm like, oh, shit, what's this? And I see B-Boys, and I see graffiti, I see K-Slay on there, I yeah, see, yeah, like, yeah. a lot of people. And I was really into it then. And I just got, and because I couldn't go on walls, I did paper and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, shirts and kept myself busy in that way and, you know, didn't on walls sometimes, but Tame he was really getting is, it. The, is the activist, you know, rap dude I know as far as, like, you know, getting up. And he uses his name, and he rap with it, too. So, oh uh, yeah. Did you guys realize when you wrong side of the tracks? Mm -hmm. Did you realize the impact when you wrote that song? 
or released that song, mm. did you did you know the impact that it was going to have for so the culture? So blame Lord Jamar for that because he, we was at his house when we met him in Sadat and we got to really go start to record with them. He sat us down and asked us like, "What are y'all? Who are y'all? Like, what are y'all about?" And we told him we we do graffiti, we b boys. You know, it's you know at the time it's 1991. Mm -hmm. and we're you know, some of that stuff was not say phasing out, but you know, it wasn't as big. Right. And um we told him all of that. He said, Well rap about that. So we just sat down and wrote this shit right there. Wrote wrong side of the tracks. And um It's just one of those songs. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's but but we wrote it we wrote it in because of who we were. So doing that, we realized how many people was like us when we put the record out. Right. Like, that wasn't the typical first record single to put out. It wasn't about nah, a girl. It wasn't about, it wasn't an anthem, like, you know, street anthem. It was just about graffiti. Who and produced that? T Ray. Is he from is he from New York or No, T Ray is is more famous for working with the metal group helmet. Okay. He worked with Cypress Hill. He did not gonna be able to do it by double X Posse. He did heck rock about double X posse. Cause that beat to me has yeah. like the classic New York sound, like verbal intercourse or yeah, he's, like he's from down south. Home, you know what I mean? And yeah, it T -Ray, has that. T Ray is from uh is, uh, from I think wanna say South Carolina. Gotcha. But, um, it might be North Carolina. But uh, yeah, he when we got with him, he was uh already working with double X and then you know, we got to actually sit with him. You know, it wasn't like we hired him to do beats. We was at his house, you know, at, you know, co-production for certain things and, and what we did. But I would, like, you know, T-Ray was the main focus of the record. We had T uh, Buck Wow on the record, did like a couple, like two or three joints. Uh, Red Man did a joint, uh, produced on it with uh, Rock Wilder. And um, yeah, man, it was, it was, you know, something that we didn't think, especially with that song, that right. people was gonna jump to. Gravitate but Even still it. to this day. Oh, it's you know, I've, heard, yeah, I've, I've heard the song like a million times, but I right. actually seen the video for the first time today, and that shit was today? way yeah, doing up like earlier in the week. But that video was way ahead of its time. Wow. Like that shit is dope. Like I was like, you know what I mean? Mm. I was like, damn, this is back in the day. And this should go hard. Yeah. This is one of those things in the time and era. It'll forever go down yeah. in history. Mm. It's one of those songs that you know. It's just timeless, man. It's like a hip hop classic. Now let's talk about like your big break, man, on the Stretch of Bobito show, man. It really went down. Yeah, that's how we got the deal. So let me get it. So Tame One called up the show, start freestyling, and then they invite y'all up to the radio station the next night, and then y'all just kill it. Yeah, he called up the radio show, and he won the contest, and that's what got us up to the station. Um, we went up there for like 15 minutes. They let us rock out. And we stayed the rest of the night, but just that 15 minutes of lyrical fury, I guess, right. is what got us the deal uh, at Atlantic. But uh, Bobito used to work at Def Jam. Stretch used to work at Atlantic at the time. And man, uh, Reef, Rob Tulo, was uh, working there, too, as the A&R. So that we had, like, uh, almost an audition kind of sort of for them, not knowing what we was going to do, you know, just from team calling up there and doing that freestyle which got us in the door did y'all do any kind of like rehearsal or anything no. at all y'all just showed up no we just showed up i mean ain't really nothing to rehearse when you got thousands and thousands of rhymes in your head that you had before you get an opportunity like this you know it's really now and we didn't even think now and never we just went up there to really just 
go because of the invitation, but we knew who they were. So we was actually honored to go up there because not a lot of people, you know, at the time was going up there. And and real quick, explain to the people what it really meant to be on their show and mm -hmm. drop a freestyle. Like you said, it literally y'all got signed like the next day almost pretty well, much. Well, it was, you know, pretty much uh, like everybody in New York calling up, like who the hell was that? So Stretch and Bob at the, was only on maybe for a couple of couple of years prior to this happening. And we heard about them through just scrolling down the radio dial and, and late night because you were just looking and I, we found it, listening to them and, you know, hearing through the grapevine. So it was dope to actually, you know, have them be responsible for us to actually, you know, get an opportunity to get the deal because without knowing the inside parts of who they really were, it was just off the strength of what me and Tame did that impressed them enough to bring us up to their crib and their houses and stuff to just have us up there to even chill with them let alone give us a deal. I know. I mean, that must have definitely been an experience. Were oh, you, yeah. like, were you guys were super psyched once you guys were done spitting and you guys just chilling? I mean, like like I said, going up there, it was like after we spit, you know, after we did that, it was like, okay, y'all don't have to leave. We stayed the rest of the night. So. <laughs> they didn't kick you out. Nah, nah. It was really not after that. They definitely didn't want us to leave. But, you know, after that, we all we exchanged numbers with them. And we kept going up there until they invited us to their crib and, you know, met a lot of different people, important people at the time. So for me and Tame, you know, the, the reason why we were up there because it was they liked him and told him to come up there. But, like, I got a partner. I want to bring him, too. So once we got there, it was pretty much okay. Go. At the time, there it wasn't like what you talk about it as. Like the movie, when you watch the movie, for it wasn't like millions of people. You know, Hyro was up there before. It was a lot of people. Buster, you know, early Buster, like skinny, skinny bones, Stretch Armstrong. You know, so at the time we came there, after we was up, it was a lot, a lot of way more people after we came there. So it wasn't the like going up there, like oh, sh you know. We right. just went up there like, all right, we're going up here to, to do what the fuck we got to do. Yeah, pretty much. So you it was the, once we was done, like, oh, shit, okay. And we got from where? <laughs> so that was pretty much the most of it. Like, you know, their show blew up more and more and more after we did that. But even when you look at the, a lot of the instrumentals that they played in that movie, it was a lot of artifact instrumentals. So that just show you what impact that made on them as well as us. Right, now they were definitely digging your stuff, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? I mean, because, like, I mean, what I was hearing is, like, when people would try to do anything to get in there, there'd be times where they wouldn't let people, I don't think, I don't think they would let Pun in, you know what I mean? Wu-Tang tried to go in 50 deep, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But it was definitely the spot that people knew once you kind of made it to there, things could definitely change. Right, right, right. And then from there, you, you guys got signed, right? Mm -hmm. And who did you guys get signed to? Uh, Big Beat Atlantic. And what was that? How did that go down? Did they sign you like a couple album deal or? I mean, we put out two with them and that was it. Right. I know you went on tour too with mm -hmm. that first track, right? Me and Tane? Yeah. Oh yeah. We, you know, I would say with so. Some, with some heavyweights, right? Song. I mean, like <laughs> we went to Europe early, went to Japan in like 94. So we did a lot of, lot of touring, even still to this day. Always Europe every year until this COVID, but back then, yeah, we was one of the first groups to go out there 
a lot of people don't get to go to Japan, <laughs> especially doing hip hop. Right. So it's a, always a privilege. Do you feel like you guys are bigger overseas than you were here? Mm. Mm, I, I would I would say uh, the music is the scene is. It's like they're more, more intrigued. Open. Like they're more intrigued over there. Not. Nah, I would say. See, <laughs> I'm gonna say this to everybody. A lot of interviews I do. A lot of people say that the Europeans appreciate hip hop and more than we do. They love that shit. All right, I'm I'm gonna say it like this. When we go there, they're not from here. They don't just happen to probably see you walking down the street in New York, Manhattan, wherever you might be from. So a lot of the times when we do these shows, they know we coming. So they show up. And I think from the American view, because you have to think in a worldly way, Americans think that because they might not speak English, they might not understand what we're saying or vibe out to the music in the same way. When we went to Japan, we knew they didn't understand every fucking thing we were saying. But they was in that building. They was feeling it. They was in that building. Uh, to this day, I do shows. And you could be on stage and they know the words. You be in France, speak French. And then as soon as you get on the floor, you look, but you're looking at them saying all the words to your song. And they'll come up to you afterwards and speaking straight French. They interpret the dude right here. And you'd be like, damn, that's crazy. You knew all the words to the song, though. Right. So that's the freaky shit about being in Europe where it's like, how should I say this? It fucks with you. Nah, I mean, no. No? No. I'm going to say this. They question us here while we fuck with the bullshit on the radio. They question all of that shit. I don't give a fuck where I be at. Right. Europe, Japan, they be like, what the fuck happened to America? Like the radio. Like nah, what's... everything. Fuck the radio. Everything. Fashion, everything. <laughs> Gear-wise, everything. So they are so much more inclined. After the internet came, perfect example. Look at basketball. Look at the European players. Look at look at Doki, all them dudes. Luca. You know what I'm saying? Crazy with the with the handle. They, they, but guess how they learned that? How you fuck you think they learned that? Tell me. Just starting off like from the no, kid. The tell beginning. me, tell me really what they learned. Nah, keep going. And one, nigga, and uh, one fucking tapes. Yeah. All these tapes learning yeah. how to fucking and dribble one. the ball, shoot the ball. They never had that. So you got Americans going to Europe. No different than when you go to Japan. They look at how they dance. Rap dudes from America go to Europe. And in Japan to teach them all these moves because this is where it starts from but they love it they love it they they fucking capitalize on it they have schools for hip hop in Europe that's wild but we don't have that shit at all here hey, you gotta be special privileged in the college be a professor teacher to be just teaching hip hop damn near so when they have schools dedicated for it B-Boy-M breaking MCN scratch, you know Scratch Academy all this stuff you know, that's that's the real part of what we take for granted in this music even more today. That they that they fucking love. Yeah, they love the fuck out of it. Yeah. So, you know we any anytime it, you like, hear anybody talk about Europe and hip hop, they they 
they are like, yo, we got this shit. We ain't never letting this shit go. Like, you know, any party you go to in Europe, even right now, every fucking show we do, every show we do, they are playing shit you like. Right. Or oh, that shit you playing in the car. Dillard shit, Gangstar shit. Right. Every club we go to, they playing the same artists but different songs, but same shit, vibe-wise. Here, in America, you got to search for a fucking party like that. And y'all always be asking, why, how they, they be getting all the festivals? Why y'all be, cause we gotta go. Cause y'all not fucking with it here. Cause they're willing to put out the bread. Y'all ain't even just the bread. Y'all not fucking with it here. So no different than jazz artists back in the day. We gotta go over there just to be getting the, the whole vibe of the whole, they taking in the nostalgia. You take a little step back in time a little bit, but they, they fuck with the current and what you're doing too. That's why I still make records. Not just right, the old I'm a rambler. Nah, go for it. Not just Man, the old like, That's tight. That's tight. Hey, you got Rick73 over here. What's mm -hmm. going on, Ricks? What's up, bro? Tell me a little bit about who you are, man, about this album that you got. Yeah, just, uh, you know, um, we got a little song right now called The Alley. Mm -hmm. um, then my man jumped on. <clears throat> little little backstory to that is I had um, my album last year is called The Yard. Right. You know, Ellison Say and Sadat X have a project together too that I was peeping last year. And I had a track, you know, that I wanted them to spit on and uh, sent it over to Sadat. And he ended up, you know, doing the track by himself. It's called Aerosol Anthem. But my man, I knew I wanted to get Ellison Say on the track at some point in time. It just, that didn't work out at that time. Right. The yard released, but I had another track that I revisited that I knew I wanted to reach out and see if we can make something work right and um you know i kind of tuned up the track a little bit and sent it over and man he just blessed it bro bars and um as soon as i got it back i didn't it didn't take me but a few days to get it arranged right. and mastered and ready to go right and uh you know and then um just chopped it up a little bit and you know coming into town Figured, um, you know, he's performing at a Bar Red tonight, right. and uh, we knocked out the video this morning. And, you know, for me, it's just an honor, right? You know, um, I've been doing hip-hop our whole life, a lot of us. And mm -hmm. to be able to have universes line up at some point in time, to be able to, you know, work with, you know, some of your idols, um, it's definitely a blessing. So um, I'm excited to release the video in the next week or two. The song's um, out on all platforms right now. Yeah. It's called The Alley. Run out and get it. Yeah. Everybody, right now, the sound the, the ding. We got to go. Yeah. Not, so just down, that up. not just stream it, but download it and actually buy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's out there. Yeah. And, you uh, know what I mean? We'll get the visuals out there, too. Um, and uh, we had a good day. Good shout out to Birdman came yeah. out. And uh, Emit came out. And uh, we had a good day, bro. Yeah. So. Dope, dope colors and visuals going, and we and we in the alley for real. <laughs> Hell yeah, in the alley, yeah. yeah. And and while we're at shoutouts, man, I want to give a shout out to Brian Williams too. No doubt, no doubt, you my man. B. He kind of kind of hooked me up with you too, kind of no gave doubt. me the inside track, and I appreciate both of y'all, man. My for brother, master the ceremonies, yes. Yeah, yeah, salute, yeah. salute. Hopefully, we'll be able to see him out here in August. You no know doubt, what I mean? Yes. Hey, talk about like it seems like once y'all did the show, like shit kind of just started going double time for you. Y'all get signed, y'all start making music, y'all start getting pulled into the mix. How did it really like kind of almost change? You know, within a couple months for you guys? Um, not really. I mean, we pretty much. You guys are always had, tapped in. We had in. to work. We had to work. You know, we was 
we was at the label doing like after we got signed and did all the contract shit and all that stuff like that. We had to go in and you know sit down and do radio drops from like two o'clock and twelve in the afternoon to like three, four, and five in the morning. Damn. This is like every city, every state. You know, we just looking at the paper. Yo, this else every state, just all you know, what I'm saying like, uh, we did all the preliminary stuff. Uh, we did a whole bunch of meet and greets, a whole bunch of record stores, a whole bunch of like uh, conference meetings with labels, with the label. Do you remember uh, some of the first shows you got after that? Yeah, we 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 did Lyricist Lounge, but we used to do a lot of stuff in New York. Um, place called Wetlands. New Eureka Cafe, um, Bowery Ballroom, um, spot called Demararas. You know, New York seems to be on fire. A lot of different places you can go to. Um, SOBs, you know, um, all the Rock Steady events. When, it, when we first started, we did that. Um, actually, when we did that, uh, Rap City was uh, taping our show for the episode. And that shit was probably the best thing in a while when we did it. But that was fun. But a lot of shows we used to do was in New York until we got out of town. So we was able to travel all over, you know, California. We we did that first as far as promo, a promo run. I mean, well, I do home. We from home. So we did that. When you guys were on the road, would Tame go do some graffiti at night? Nah. Nah, he's just sick to the... Nah. The only, only time we did anything like that was we had to do interviews, uh, 4080 Magazine. We had to do a piece under this uh, underpass, and then um, we did something for uh, Con Art at, at, at the Con Art building for Rap Pages. Uh, we did a, a a piece for that. Yeah, but you know, a lot of times on the road, we try to like not be in from these places. We go in the room and do what we supposed to do. It's kind of chill, kind of yeah. just lay low. Yeah. Isn't that kind of hard though? Well, you guys are young. I mean, you guys are popping. Nah, not, not when you, after doing the show at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, I don't think it's time for going out to go paying. And you're done from there. Yeah, true that, true that. And just, you got to go on the next show and the show after that. And you can't risk being on a, at a place you're not from in pain. Nah, I definitely get it. You got to right. think first. You know what exactly. I mean? Business first. Everything that, else that's second. definitely not business. So that's, <laughs> nah, nah. Now that I think about it, yeah. hey, who were like some of your personal influences as far as rap music and kind of what molded you? Uh, Chuck D, Rakim. My top five are we gonna stay the same. I don't know why everybody ch- uh, list be changing. How can it change? Because like? people go through the years and be like, ah, but I liked it. No, it's Chuck D, Big Daddy Kane, KRS One, Coogee Rap, and Rakim. Did I say rock him already? Yeah. No. Well, no. What do you think of the newer rap? Hmm? What do you think of the new stuff? I don't. Not at all? Not really. Um, not that was on the radio at least, but I still I listen to Sky Zoo. I listen to uh, Elza. I listen to a lot of the artists that still my age put out records. I listen to them. Um, I listen to a lot of different music, you know, but... I don't know if you know somebody I don't know, but as far as my caliber of MCs that I like, right, it's still Farrell Munch when he put music out. It's still nah, he's on the top for sure. MOP is still Billy. It's still fan. It's still Locks. It's still you know people like that. Royce when he do put out music, 
um, there's, there's not a lot of people that of what we are used to still right. spitting, but I like Kendrick Lamar, new stuff. You know, my, my man really calls for attention when he comes out, and these people be on notice. So I at least appreciate that part of him where he's doing, you know, his own music, but still catering to people like me too. Right. No, that's dope. That's dope. What kind of new music you got coming up, man? A whole damn lot. So <laughs> first thing first, shit. first thing first, <laughs> artifacts. All uh, I'm, uh between, no, I'm sorry. Artifacts new album. It is called motherfucking no expiration date. All beats done by Buckwild DITC. Uh, it was supposed to come out last year due to COVID and closure of factories. Uh, you know, we had to start a new one with another factory. So that took time, but I can assure you this record will be out this year. I'm seeing a lot of the product being made and color vinyl takes a while and special covers of CDs with stuff I can't say. <laughs> but it's going to be dope. Y'all going to be happy. Uh, then I got a project. I got a few projects solo by myself. Me and a, a producer named Tony Galvin, my brother, he passed away last year. We have an album coming out and on these songs. I have Money Love on the song. That's dope. I got Sa Rock the MC on the song. I got Shabam Sadiq on the joint. My man Scam, who does the artwork, and he also rhymes as well. Wow. He's on the song. Uh, you know, my man Dynas from Miami, he's on actually two songs. And, um, you know, this is a, a big record for me. You know, it's not just because my man passed, but the music that he gave me as a palette to work with was, like my friend said, was like, these songs sound big. And his sound was that. So that's going to come out, me and my boy Mint Plus. We got an album that's about to come out, me and my boy Big Joker from home. We're going to put one out. Uh, all these records are uh, either mixed or master or being about to be mixed and mastered. So there's a lot of heat gonna be coming this year, next year, and year after that, but I'm gonna do it accordingly because what you do have to do is promote these records and not just let them pass by. No, for sure. And, and going back to what we were talking about earlier, like the game has definitely changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, back in the day, we were, you guys were probably on the block slanging, you know what I mean, tapes. Nah. No, never? Nah. Never? Damn. I say I, did, I, I only do that at the merch table. I know people who have done that. Right. That maybe still do do that. But fortunately. I'm thinking maybe that's kind of more of like, not like necessarily like an East Coast thing because they were getting nah, signed. Nah, it's an East Coast thing. Where like. It's an East Coast thing. You just name, I can name a few people that used to stand, used to stand in front of Fat Beats in New York and California. So, you know, it's a thing for people who want, want to put the word out what they may have that where they don't have the means to put out a record or somebody may not sign them. But today, you know, back then, like I said, and coming up the way we did, just like Red Man, just like Lords of the Underground, we came up in the hood just being known for doing shows and spitting. And that's where Stretching Bobito came. Where you talk about, we used to make demos to play with people that to show what we can do. It was never a, a song made or a tape made to sell. 
So when we got on the radio, that was it. Right. We went from that radio station to records. So unless we was trying to get pirated in trouble for going through Atlantic Records and selling records on the street and they getting, you know, breaching the contract, we never had to do that. No, I get it. I get definitely get what you're saying. That's dope, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, when are you going to start dropping this new music that you have? Uh, hopefully, the uh, I don't have a street date for really none of this stuff yet, but um, I would say the Artifacts record will probably come faster than everything else, depending on how I get this artwork done with these, rec- these other records. And then if that's so, then they will all come. One of them going to come before the end of the year, I would say the Artifacts record. Right. And how did how did COVID affect um everything? Did you get like a lot of stuff done during COVID? Or did you mm-hmm. record a lot of music? Is that when you guys you and Tame got together and kind of put that album together? Or just kind of like a little older. Well, we did that like kind of before COVID. Gotcha. COVID um, just fucked shit up, kind of. Nah, it's just really COVID fucked up the production part of it. Um, I recorded my house, so I recorded the whole album there. Uh, Tame came to the crib. We recorded him there. Uh, Buck Wild didn't live too far from me, but uh, once we finished the record and it was time to mix, um, we just went to my man Jake Palumbo's studio, sat in there for a couple of days, uh, mixed the record. Jake mastered the record as well in a couple of sessions, maybe two. Um, yeah, it's, it's COVID, I was I was busy, you know, in a way where I didn't think I was going to be. Where I, I sell a lot of merch um, from the crib. Right. On my Instagram page, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Uh, I have a web page too, but people don't use it. <laughs> they see me on Instagram. So I sell more there than I would any site. And I never do Shopify and stuff like that. I just put the shit up. People DM me and I send it out. So I, I chilled on that. Like 2019, we were going into 2020. I just finished the tour. I ordered all these hoodies, hats, everything. And then COVID, bang. So I chilled out because I knew people didn't have money like that. And I seen what was happening. People getting sick. We stay at home. And I'm like, wait a minute. Mm, what's this stimulus thing? Right. People start getting money. Right. So business picked back up again. No, it did. So me personally, I went out because I know better. I went and got vaccinated. All of them. Up till now. And I went out. And still was able to go do uh, certain. Now, the things I may do, other people might not do. And that will makes the difference between some hustles and some to other people. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing these pop-ups because I got too much merch here. I'm, I'm selling a little bit of everything, trains, everything. So I just started, like, you know, calling record stores. Mm-hmm. I go to I set up a pop-up event there. I perform in the this, in this, in this store, sell merch, you know, more than, and I would sometimes even rather do that than doing a show because you still get to meet the people and you're in their face and they get to talk to you and it's a little bit more personal and you still get to rock, but the experience of sometimes waiting to do the show and having to wait for everybody to go on where you know you could not say do more doing the pop-up event, but yeah, you can do a little bit more if you calculate everything right and do the things you got to do but it's also investing in yourself so i just figured out a way to uh get through that once all the restrictions started letting down a little bit i was like you know but i did a lot of features 
I stayed in the studio. Um, I, I thank any person, everybody that didn't do any features with me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a testament to hard work when you do that. Uh, when people ask you to do that, I look at myself like Deadpool. You know, he's a mercenary. He worked for money and he killed people for money, but he do it in a crazy ass way. You may not agree with how he may do it because he play around so damn much and joke and shit, but right. it, he still get the job done. So for me, it's, it's like every time somebody asks me to do, do a song or a verse, that's me thinking like, okay, either they they dig what I'm doing is a reason why that is happening, but for me, it's like, okay, it's kill shot every time that happen, that gets to happen because right. I appreciate them even asking me to do it. So, and that's the only reason why we're here today. But from those things, you know, better relationships come. You know, I've been to Columbia because I didn't take a certain type of money, you know, where I knew, like, okay, this is this now, but, you know, this could be this later. And it happened. Hmm. Then it happened, me and Tame to go, and then for Seller Dweller to be with us. I'm like, see, this is how you treat the universe in the right way, where you right. don't be so greedy. You'll get the what you want in the ladder. So for me, the COVID COVID was the same way. It, once people figured out, all right, I'm gonna do it this way, and they started getting unemployment, and they started people started figuring out things. They was like, yo, I'm ready to go. Yeah. So that's when all the work was coming from everybody. It was like, yo, shit, if I got this now, let me take advantage. So I never it was still wasn't no shows. I'm going to Chicago. I'm going to Boston. I'm going to L. A. I'm going cheap. everywhere. Flying cheap too, yeah. and, and and yeah, it was cheap. I flew to LA a couple times for that fifty bucks like, round word, trip. Word word I was like, "Let me take advantage of this yeah, right exactly. here." I like on every other so, week. Yeah, bro, man, I'm that like, was for real. That was smart. So I did the same thing you did. For real. So I Once just, I saw I just those kept prices, going. I booked like four flights. Like, I was like, "For real?" I was yep. like, so I'm booking four right now. Fuck it. Went to Memphis, going back to Memphis. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. So when you do features, do you like listen to the song? Do you have them like give you the song, or do you just do a verse and then send it to them? How's that work? Now, I would say, fortunately. This is this is big fortune. Like people know your history. Bless you. They know where you come from. So a lot of times when people approach me, it's it's a person of the same cloth gotcha. that come from musically where I come from. So you know, a lot of times you meet people that say, "I got something for you. I got something for you." As soon as they send it to you, that should be not for you. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, my point. That yeah. should be not for you. So I'm like, yo. And I hit him up, like, yo, you said you had something for me. And that's when I, I tell him, like, yo, listen to my music again. And <laughs> then like come it. back and then tell me what you think. And then they're all Cassie. So, fortunately, Rick is one of those people who understands where I come from. So, it was easy, easy to make that for him choice. to send what he sent to me because even though he don't know me, you know, I don't know him. As soon as I heard the music, I like, right, he listened to music. So, I know. And then getting in the truck, like, even not hanging with him. He listens. He's hmm. where I'm from. I was going to tell you that at the beginning of the podcast, all you got to do is hang out with Ricks for a couple hours, right. and you'll figure out he is the total hip hop head, right, right, just right. like me, just like the next one. Mm-hmm. Lives, breathes this shit, fucking more than you can think. Yep. You know, I mean? we're all the same, pretty much the same age. So right. we grew up. It's not like we're going back and listening or what our parents was. We grew up in that shit, and I remember listening to UTFO for the first time, and even fucking Roxanne, Roxanne, and Sparky D, and all that mm-hmm. shit, and just growing and just evolving, and even at one time, you know, going to the West Coast, you right. know, because that and coming back, you know, talking about COVID and shit. Though, what do you think about verses? 
It was fun up until after. Until they started uh, trying to start charge? <laughs> it was good. If, I was good after Jada kissing him. I was uh, good. I was good after that. Snoop, I loved him in the, the DMX. DMX, RIP. Once, once it started going to the show thing, being on stage and everything like that, I was like, mm, I don't know. Because everybody was waiting for the deluxe one. Right. And we were now, waiting for that. That was epic. That was Anything a good now, one. I mean, now it's pay-per-view and thriller. I, this, I that, didn't and understand third. the last one. I didn't understand nah, nobody Onyx did. Nobody and fucking to watch Cypress it. Hill. That didn't make any fucking kind of sense to me. The Caden and Karras one was. I yeah I didn't. Is that threw me for a loop? My man, and I'm, this female asked me like, "Yo, did you like that shit?" I was like, "Nah, I wasn't cool with that." She was surprised. You know which one was crazy, man? And it's it's it's. I mean, it's rap. With the Gucci man, Jeezy. Oh yeah, that <laughs> was some next level. I was double taking every time because I was like, "Did he really just say what I thought he fucking said?" And is he really doing what he I thought he? Yeah, cause yeah, they were wild. Gucci was wild, and I give Young Jeezy props because he sat there and, and took all that. But I, I definitely, I watched like the first fifteen minutes, and I was like, "I think someone might get shot tonight." This motherfucker because yeah, he talked about it. Never know what happened outside, but yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good on the verses now. Not so much that it changed, but right. it's, it I would rather have them have a format like they had, like. Even if you're in the same studio or room, yeah, but the show thing killed it. Right, right. Who would be a good, I know you're done with it, and I'm not saying that you would mm. do, but who would be a good versus for you guys? And because I know them, and I know how it would look when you talk about Jersey and Brooklyn, uh-huh. but the only thing that made sense for me was Smith & West. Okay. And because it's a two-man group, we work, we fuck with them, they fuck with us. And the way that Red Man and Method Man did it, I would want us to do it in the same way. Because the one thing I tell people when they watch these things, like, you can't say who's winning. I like, y'all do realize we've heard these songs before. Uh, the only thing you could think is if a DJ blended a record party, a party, records at a party good. Where they know when to take the crowd here, they know how to take them, bring them down, put them in the middle, play, and they bring them back. So like, that was how Red and Meth show was. Right. And I would think that it would be like that for us, with them, because I know them. You know, it, it for people to think that. You know, it's also funny when people think it's a controversial thing, like real battle, battle. I'm like, no. Like when Primo and and Rizzo did, they thought they were gonna play beats never heard before, like banging shit out, like uh, and they and they were gonna be with it, right? And they're like, no, we're playing our hits, you know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, that was that was the only thing that that would make sense for me, you know. I'm, I'm sure they would probably agree to. Right. What I'd like to see is kind of like almost some verses, like not like artists, but if you get like you can get two individuals, you could be famous or whatever, but drop like your, you could even narrow it down like your top. 15 tracks and kind of like you say go with mm-hmm. the rhythm like if you set it off this is what I'm setting off with right. and then you pick it up and then I'm going you know what I mean and kind of mm-hmm. some shit like that I think would kind of be tight almost like a little DJ battle but kind of without I mean the basically that's you know what, what it is. is yeah you know what I mean because everyone has those sleepers I still hear shit to this day that I've never heard of but I'm like how the fuck did I never hear that mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I remember one of the one of my one of the classic tracks like that that I never heard of for the longest time was 95 South by the fucking 
by the Youngbloods and Big right. Boy. Okay, and I was like, how is this shit been out for like seven years? I ain't ever fucking heard this shit. That's, like, that's videos done. Yeah, exactly. Well, even nowadays, bro, like you figure, we used to watch videos back in the days. And like there's a stretch where like fucking videos kind of went extinct and we sit here and you're watching dom kennedy you're watching other shit and they have videos for everything and you're just like i've never seen this video in my life like where the fuck have i been you know what i mean have access to so much marty's date yeah uh, internet streaming everything man. back then you didn't have access you know not at all you got a bro. record pool or something you might get some b-sides or some white labels or, but we just didn't have the access now it's flooded you had to go digging for that shit. You had to find the shit. I remember I'd go down to Charlie's, bro, and they would have the white they would have the white labels all the time, all the promo shit for a dollar. You just go there and find your little gems and fucking that's what we're playing tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, talk about your album real quick. Cause I was even confused about your album. Like I said earlier, I thought you were the M's featured MC production and just having features, but it's just you're just on the productions. Yeah. And you basically been, just do the tracks and the production and uh the mixing and you know, the whole nine. But, uh, you know, back in the day, I used to spit, but them, them right. old, old days, um, <laughs> I, I knew that I loved to be behind the boards and, and, and the beat machine, so right. I stayed in my Cello. lane. I stayed in my lane. Yeah, and I could play the bass, too. Or the I, bass. I'm, there, but, I knew it was one of them. <laughs> but I just stayed in my lane, and I, I, I love hip-hop. It's my life. And, um, you know, I, I just, music was always a part of my life, and I just stayed in my lane and just made the beats and... You know, I wanted to put out a couple albums, um, and I figured, you know, I want to get some of my favorite MCs and just come spit on my, my tracks, and that's just kind of what it is, you know. Who are some of the other MCs that you've gotten on the album? On the Yard album, I have Nims, um, out of Coley Island, and uh, I have Pounds, Sadat X, Sean Price, I have Unreleased Sean Price first on there, Mason Graves, YK Hamilton. Uh, Scheme did my intro. You know you need you need some mad skills on your shit, bro. You need yeah. some fucking um, um, what's the name from the dude from Gilligan's Island, Thurston How the Third. Yeah. Well, you know I mean I see your shit like a little, like kind of like a sound bombing. You know what I mean? Like some tight shit. Well, again, you know I mean, you you I make tracks. I'm not I'm not just throwing a you know a dart at the board on on MCs who I who you know. Nah, you're going after. Your, I'm going after who I who I who I want. And I'm going after who I feel like would would sound best over my tracks, and also there's budgets that come in, come into play too. That's it's a big thing, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, being a producer, and you know, wanting certain MCs. I mean, the prices unfortunately are high. <coughs> Once again, you should have done that shit during COVID because that was the time to yeah. rock. So I mean, there's a lot of variables there for for me making mm-hmm. making the album, but for the most part, you know. I, I go after you know some of my, my favorites. Is there someone you'd like to work with that you haven't been able to work with that you'd like to get on? Well, again, it's all budget, right? Well, no I mean, would I love to have yeah. a track with Redman? Right. Hmm. But I'm talking like not like like your or, favorite, or no my, budget, but you know what I mean. Like, oh, oh, if I had you, I like, mean my my favorite, you know, my top five. You know, no. they, they go online a lot, a lot of else, but you know, um, Black Thought's one of my favorite too of all time. Like, yeah. But I love to. Black thought to come spit some bars on my shit. <laughs> yeah, would I like you know I, Cool G rap. Yeah, well, you know, um, you know. But I got a list, you know. But you know, some of them I don't, I don't think uh, at this point in time they're obtainable. Right. Yeah, I, I get that. Like yeah. Black thought, like you said, is probably pretty fucking hard to uh, obtain. Yeah. Unless you got a big yeah, ass not. bag. 
yeah. and even at that he might not even you know yeah um so but yeah I do it because I love it, and um, I got it. I got another album coming out. So it's strictly an instrumental album, though. That's coming out in September. So um, I'd have to. Dro- I might have to drop a mixtape to that shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Just keep working, man. I can dig it, man. Just keep working. But I do want to give a shout out to DJ Ohm. Uh, a buddy of mine just passed away yesterday, and uh, R.I.P. Man. Side. So DJ Ohm, and he helped me out on the Yard album. Damn. And I just wanted to give a shout out to him and his family down in Albuquerque, and shout out to Gatto too, because if I without Gatto, I wouldn't have met him, and you know he wouldn't have blessed me with some stuff on my album. So I just wanted to. Yeah, I'm sorry for your loss, man. Sorry to hear that. No, much love to him and his Albuquerque family. So. The Burke homes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. So. Hey, how things been going for you there, man? Have you been picking up a lot more shows now that things are kind of getting back to normal? Oh yeah, I'm um, after we leave. I leave here tomorrow and go to L.A. I got a pop up on on Wednesday in and, L.A. in Fullerton, California, at a, a program skate shop. I go to uh, Whittier on the seventh, the sixteenth. No, I'm sorry, Huntington Beach on the sixteenth. 17th, I'll be in uh, downtown LA uh, doing a record store, pop-up show event on the rooftop there, uh, Hip Hop Philosophy Records. When are you going to be down there? Fr- uh, Friday. Okay. It's Friday. Um, Saturday, I'll be in, uh, in where this, I think in Whittier, yes. I'll be in Whittier on Saturday the 18th, and I'll be home for Father's Day. So, yeah. I thought Father's Day tomorrow. Thank you. Is it? Oh. You know, bro. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Another week. Oh, okay. I'm trying to go well, to this, this. Yeah, yeah, this Sunday now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. I got gotcha. you. I hey, kill. Well, next time you get here, man, I mean, should we wish we'd have known you could have definitely did a pop up here, bro. Oh, you no, no. Hey, mean? that's that's the whole purpose of us talking right now. Yeah. Like, Our casa, two casas, your casa, bro. We got the little graffiti, little I art see, shop see. downstairs, you know. I'm about to go get some paint right after this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, shit, man. Any any kind of final thoughts or any kind of? Uh, well, I I tell y'all right now, pick up that artifact record when it comes out. You won't be disappointed. After 25 years, we finally put something together, and with a goddamn reputable producer like Buck Wow, Buck Wow D I T C Buck Wow. So whoever don't know that, that's where he comes from. Y'all gonna love this record, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, shout out to everybody that's trying to get it, man. That's why me and Rick's is here. Right. Trying to get it. The Which, alley. That's why we're here. I thank y'all. Right. Peace. Appreciate Peace. you. Peace. Well, we're out of here, man. We appreciate you once again. Like I said, check out their new music. What's your um, Instagram and all that so they can follow you? Yep, you hit my Instagram, uh, Eldest. No, Sensei from NJ. S E N S E I from NJ, from New Jersey. All right, what's your Instagram there, Ricks? It's uh, Ricks, R-I-C-K-S, dot 73. All right, and you know us. You can find the Smoking Joe Thunder podcast on all platforms. Find us on IG, all that good stuff. Yeah. We appreciate you once again, man. We are out of here. Thank you all for listening. Peace. Peace. Peace.